Welcome into a brand new Tuesday Scramble. It is April 12, 2022. I'm Rick Gaiman. That right there, Andy Lack and Andy. We've done it. We've got one major championship in the books, and I think we are exactly halfway through the PGA Tour season. Yeah, it's gone fast, right? And can you believe Southern Hills is like 37 days away? 37 days away? 37 days away. We'll be on, I'm sure, Tiger Watch for the next 37 days. Pretty non-committal to that. But yeah, this is this is the time of year. So most people, a lot of the casuals think like the, the season started last week, right? And mm-hmm. that would be a really nice way to think about it because you would then just get smacked in the face with a major championship basically every single month uh, and then the sprint to the finish line. So if you really only wanted to pay attention to five months of golf you picked the best five right now this is the sweet spot right yeah we get i think and then after a month after the pga championship we get the u.s open at the end of june and then we get the british at the end of july so we're in crunch time right now and scotty scheffler would probably already argue that he ended a lot of the uh, season end year awards and 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 moneyless titles already. He is minus six hundred right now at Caesars to win the money list, which that's about right. He's already made ten point something million dollars. It's already the sixth highest earning season ever, and we've played one major championship. Yeah, I would say that's probably. Oh, I would say probably locked up player of the year as well, barring oh, some crazy yeah. run. Right. Unless somebody wins two majors. Yeah. Which I don't see happening, by the way, which we can talk about because I just think the the depth of talent right now on the PGA tour is 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 so great. Um, but yeah, I mean, we can already start talking about it. What a what a impressive, impressive statement and performance by our guy Scotty Scheffler mm. last week. It, it it is actually quite difficult to quantify and I know everybody's tried, right? I mean, the stats are, the stats are amazing, right? I mean, everything that Justin Ray and like everything that's been tweeted about the ascension to the top of the world, uh, a certain number of wins in a short period of time, including a major, it it is, it is literally uh, the only thing close to it is tiger esque, right? Like that's, that's, Mm -hmm. I'm not even being facetious when I say that. And with all that being said, Andy, it's still, it still feels weird, right? It still yeah. doesn't feel like Scotty's getting enough credit. I don't know if it's because he's not a sexy superstar named Rory McElroy or John Rahm, or people just want to write it off as a heater. But mm-hmm. it, we are—I'm not exaggerating that we are witnessing history right now. Okay, so you brought up a couple good points. I, I talked about this yesterday on my podcast. I think if you call it a heater, you're you're doing him a disservice because I, I understand that he wasn't the wins came very quick and bunched up together, but you actually look before that and he was still like a top 10 player in the world. He was just more so having a Xander Shoffley esque trajectory where he was consistently in the mix at all of these tournaments, but his strokes gain number was unbelievable. I mean, he was a Ryder cup star, all these things. The only thing that was missing from his resume was the wins. You know what the funny thing is, Rick, and this is, 50% of this is depressing and the other 50% of it is encouraging. He's had a better career than Xander Shoffley in six weeks. He's probably had a better career than Patrick Cantlay in six weeks. I mean, depending on how you feel about the players, he's had a better career than Ricky Fowler in six weeks. Yeah. If you, if you, yes, if you really 
look at strength of field, if you weigh major championships, it's it's hard to argue with. You're right. Even before this week's Masters or last week's Masters, he had a top 10 in four of his last five major championships. It's not like this came out of nowhere. It's just he won the first one and then he won three more immediately. Plus a couple top tens in WGCs. He made it to the match play finals a year ago too. Yeah. Uh, and he, I think maybe the turning point Rick was when he beat Rom in that singles match. And, and maybe I have blinders on a little bit because I was there at the Ryder cup that week and I followed that match, but that changed it a little bit for me because you listen to the quotes that he talked about after, and he was like, I wanted Rom. And let's not forget, Rom looked unstoppable at that period of time. I mean, he was he was playing so well. He was yeah. the best player was on the European Rom. team by far. Yeah, yeah, he was he was on a, a heater per se of him of his own self. And Scheffler was like, I wanted him. And the guys on the team talked about how they wanted it for Scheffler too. Um, so he just he plays golf, Rick. He doesn't always, the the eye test, it doesn't always pass sometimes. He does some stuff with his hands that I don't know if uh, swing coaches would teach, but <laughs> he's an artiste, right? He, he yeah. hits golf shots. And I think a lot of people play golf swing and Scotty Scheffler plays golf. And I think at a place like Augusta, you have to play golf. It is. It is really funny because even and I'm I'm certainly guilty of like not giving Scotty the credit that he deserves and he, he absolutely deserves it. But like even watching his press conference after he won the Masters, I was like, this guy's the number one player in the world. He's just like yeah. too. He's like so shocked. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's like like John Rahm is like a killer. Like obviously like mm -hmm. Tiger Woods is a killer. Scotty Scheffler's just like cracking jokes and crying like a baby and doing all that. And I'm just like, oh, man, this is just different. It just feels different. I, it's not good or bad. It's just different. There's a little speeth in him too, yeah. where Scotty is sometimes, I feel like Scotty's a little bit more relatable in one sense that when me and you play golf, we lose our balance on tee shots all the time. And our, our footwork isn't always the best. And sometimes you watch Scotty Scheffler and I thought always the screenshots that people would take of him like losing his balance and he's yeah, on one trying to then, draw a ball and he's like yeah and then, <laughs> and then the caption is your number one player in the world and master's yeah. champion and I I think part of that is is relatable with Scotty and and I thought the thing that he said about how he was weeping um, on Sunday morning and, uh, your colleague Kyle Porter did such an excellent job writing about this. I would encourage everyone to go check yeah, out Kyle's, his piece. I'm yeah, I'm not so going to, he's so, I good. get so excited after a major tournament or yeah. a Ryder cup waiting for his article. So yeah. I'm not going to rehash the whole thing, but I, I think what, what Kyle, the main thesis will say of his piece was, um, imposter syndrome, right. And the fear of success. And, I think if anyone hasn't witnessed that before, they're lying to themselves. I mean, how how relatable is that? Especially, you know, guys like me and you doing content. I still am shocked that people listen to my stuff. It's still yeah. it's still a shock to me that people actually spend time listening to me. And so for a guy like Scotty to be that transparent and that emotional about, man, like this moment is a little bit crazy for me. I thought it was humanizing and 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 I, it really meant a lot to me. We talked i think it was after the match play when scotty first became the number one player in the world that 
um, when you look at the OWGR points here, Andy, it looked like it could be passed around for a while, right? He was just barely ahead of John Rahm. There was a scenario at the Masters in which five or so guys could have won and taken over the crown for the number one golfer in the world. That's not really the case anymore. He is kind of head and shoulders above Colin Morikawa. So without getting into the nitty gritty of the OWGR calculations, he's basically 2.1 average points better than Colin Morikawa, which is the same gap from him to Colin at two as it goes from like Colin to JT at eight. I mean, he he is mm. now statistically head and shoulders above the rest of the world. And also the events that are going to be dropping off for Scotty are, are missed cuts and they're not, they're not very good. So he's got, I think he's got a cushion here for at least a couple of months. Okay. So that's super interesting to me because I think the argument that I talked about in December was, Hey, all those people that think Rom's just going to take this world number one and run away with it. Like you guys got something coming. This is a revolving door right now, guys. Like these guys are all so good. And I think they're going to beat up on themselves all year. And I think it's going to switch multiple times throughout the year where no one is going to run away with it and, and be the guy full, full year. And we're going to have guys just keep taking it from each other. I didn't realize that Scotty had created that much of a gap over Colin. I know that Colin passed Rom to become yeah. number two last week, but that's interesting. So it seems like, and I've said this before too, like Scotty doesn't have to prove a single thing for the rest of the season. Like he could play a couple more events. He's not going to because he loves to compete, but even if he does not play well for the rest of the season, it's not going to change the way I feel about him one bit. And I think it speaks to how great and how much he's accomplished that he probably could take his foot off the gas and he would still have some cushion in that ranking. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it all pans out. Um, let's talk tiger real quick here because um, I'll tell you what, Pat on the back to the scramble. I think we assessed what was going to happen from Tiger pretty clear, right? That he was one going to play. He would probably play his best golf earlier in the week. He'd probably make the cut and then he'd probably fade on the weekend. Check, 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 check. Uh, kind of what we expected. Still unbelievable to think about and very impressive. Absolutely. I think both of us were like 37.5 feels like a fair finishing yeah. position. And what he, he was 47, 47. <laughs> And he was right around the 37th. He just kind of he kind of ran out of gas on on the back nine on Sunday, which is what we would expect. Uh, I thought it was a heroic feat, Rick. I thought that it was up there with one of his greatest accomplishments as a golfer in his career, Sands victories, right? And in terms of I thought it was maybe the most impressive 47th in golf history, given the context and the circumstances. Um do you think we see him again before St. Andrews? Because I thought that it was a little interesting that he committed to St. Andrews and yeah. nothing else when there's two major championships in between then. Yeah, so um, I felt like I had my finger kind of on a pretty good pulse of it uh, before. I don't know if I do anymore. You know, you could see him getting just physically worn out over the course of the week. The the hitch turned into a full-on limp by the time they were they were done on on Sunday. I don't know what that took out of him and to kind of get back start the whole process over again. What what did we talk about 37 days away from from Southern Hills? Yeah. I don't know, seems kind of short. Although I I do think when we get um when we get 2 weeks out 
Right. And maybe, maybe Tiger's okay. He's been sleeping in ice baths and all that stuff. He starts thinking, okay, there's another major championship coming up at a place I've won at. Maybe I could go. I will say this. I mean, Tulsa in May, um, probably going to be fairly warm, right? That's like, it's like, like the hardest weather conditions, I guess, outside of the open championship are behind him. Yes. I will also say this. I played Southern Hills last year. Uh, their title is not a lie. They're not lying to you in, in their title. There are in fact, Hills can confirm at Southern Hills. Uh, it, it has its fair share of elevation changes. It's a lot like Augusta in many senses. Perry Maxwell was Alistair McKenzie's, um, co-partner in a lot of design. So I I'm with you. I think that what would be so fun for me, Rick is I would love, and I don't think he's going to do this but I would love to see Tiger play stuff like the heritage and the Sedgefield because I think he could win those tournaments. And I don't think he's going to do that. I was kind of debating with a friend on, on a podcast yesterday. Like, do you think Tiger's going to do tune-ups? And part of me is like, I could kind of just see him running straight into major championships. I think a lot of people think that it would make sense for him to get competitive rounds under his belt. And I think Tiger Tiger knows what it's like under competition. He'd rather just play medalists and not waste any of the good ones at Sedgefield or Harbortown. So I kind of think he might just roll right into St. Andrews. I think he might as well. It's kind of bizarre because if Tiger just wanted to compete, he could probably play four or six times a year, Augusta, uh, depending on where the open champion, like depending on where these are at. And, and, and then also, maybe. Like, yeah. And then also maybe just pick like the flattest courses, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we, we, we know that Harbortown. Tiger Right, which we know Tiger would always kind of uh, work his schedule around the biggest events. Maybe now should be the flattest events, although I don't think he's going to do that, right? It's just like, why would I come play at uh, Rocket Mortgage or why would I come play at Harbortown just to compete? I'll, I'll just play twice a year and see what happens. Well, to break Sam Snead's record, though, is what I was hopeful for. Do you think That's he cares about that? Isn't he two wins away from having the most PGA no, Tour wins? I mean, of all he's, time? Tied. he's tied. He's, he's tied. He's one win okay. away from owning it himself. Okay. Do you think he cares about that? Because that would be my hope that he would that he would do that. So he had a quote, uh, I think it was this week, or maybe it was in the lead up where someone was like, why are you coming back? Would you, if you'd ever played again, would it be okay? And he said something like, you know, 82 is a lot. 15's a lot. Like I, I'm, yeah. I'm good with it. I don't think I believe it. I do think he would love one more, one more to say I am the undisputed goat. Right? Like I've won more than anybody. Uh, because it's unlikely he gets the major champ. He catches Jack at major championships. Very unlikely he does that. But going out and winning one more event, like I'm just waiting for the day that um the PGA Tour uh makes the Hero World Challenge an official event. And then retroactively applies the however many wins he has, and Tiger's at ninety, and it's undisputed. But I don't know. That's wishful thinking, I suppose. All right, that's a good point. We'll see him there. We'll see him at the uh, at the PNC. The will to compete, Rick, is is still so great for a guy that talks about how he only enters tournaments to win. Man, he grinds hard on every single hole and you could see it was wearing on him on uh over the weekend on saturday and sunday and you're right he started to walk a little bit slower i was talking to somebody who was on the grounds rick and they said even on thursday and friday he was like 50 yards back from neiman and louis 
He was yeah. he was just walking slower than them, and he wasn't he wasn't catching up to them. And so, you know, I know seventy eights on on Saturday and Sunday. I thought you know seventy eight on Saturday was a, a little bit more impressive. Those are some really tough conditions. And then Sunday, you probably had the easiest of the days, but he was the most tired. I just thought the will to compete impressed me so much, and that was what stood out to me. And I think it meant so much for him just to be in the mix to be relevant, to be competing. He talked about how that right. was what he missed. He, he missed just being one of the guys and, and, and being there. And that's why I think it's a safe assumption to say that we'll see some more competitive golf out of him over the next couple of years. Um, I should have mentioned this at the top. We are indeed presented by prize picks. We've got hmm. the prize picks segment coming up. We also have a graphic, so we'll drop all the prize, uh, the props at one time. So you can rush over there and get those, the props that we have, for today, four of them, uh, if you power play them, it would be an 11 times return on your money. So make sure you use the code Rick. Uh, there's a link in the description. Make sure you're deposited. Make sure you have everything up and running because we're going to get to that segment in a second. Andy, uh, real quick on Rory McIlroy. Finally did the thing on Sunday. Finally did it, baby. Went out, shot the 64. If you would have told me Rory tied the final round scoring record and Scotty four-putted 18, I would not have imagined Scotty still won by three shots. I'm such a sucker, Rick, but how does it not leave you encouraged, right? How does it not leave you excited for Rory McIlroy's next round? When you say, yeah. and I'm so guilty of this, I can't tell you how many times I've played a great round of golf and said, that was the most fun I've had on a golf course, right? So I understand that we're speaking in hyperbole sometimes, but you have to feel encouraged uh, about Rory heading into his next major. You have to, right? Yeah. And Rory, so it, it is bizarre, right? And I, I, I'm not a, a, a psychiatrist by any stretch of the imagination, but Rory is, all of this is internal for Rory, right? I mean, to me, he is just gifted beyond belief and he has been for his entire life when it comes to a golf club in his hand. I think that he has now made more money than he could have ever imagined. I think he's got the greatest life he could have ever have imagined. And a lot of it is internal motivation. And I think Rory finds it from having fun, enjoying himself, uh, playing well. Like to me, this is very encouraging to go out, have a round like that exercise, a few of the demons around Augusta national. Obviously he didn't slip on the green jacket. We get it. But I, I just think, and we've seen this from Rory is something like this can spark a really good stretch of golf from him. I think you're right. I think it's a, I always go back to that quote, that he talked about after he won the CJ cup where, you know, yeah. he did this great long form interview where he talked about, he saw what Bryson did to Wingfoot and he tried to make some distance gains. Um, and he kind of lost himself a little bit and he stopped doing, and he made a couple of swing coach changes. And then after he won CJ cup, he said, you know what? I kind of just realized that being me is enough. Like being right. Rory McIlroy is enough. And it come to me, it, it, you're right. You know, it seems like he always plays his best golf when he's freed up. And on Sunday, he didn't really have any pressure. It never really felt like he was going to win. I don't think that his win percentage ever ticked higher than like 4%. So he, he wasn't really, really, really in it. Um, but I don't know. It just, it just seems to me like when Rory takes the pressure off himself and he stops thinking so much, he, he kind of paralysis by over analysis and just realizes that when he is Rory McIlroy, 
he is one of the best players in the world. And he has these God-given gifts that you talked about. Um, So it's almost just with Rory, it's just like you don't worry about the ball striking at all. I think he wed the field and tee to green outside of Scheffler, or he may have even beaten Scheffler. He just kind of has to get out of his own way, right? For sure. Absolutely. So I'm excited to see what Roy does over the course of the next couple of months. Our one and done. Oh my God. These two were going back and forth all weekend long. Sunday was a roller coaster. I had Justin Thomas. You had Dustin Johnson. JT got 450,000. DJ got 330. So I made up 120,000 on you. I cut the lead. Now just 2.3 million for you, Andy. But these guys were all over the place, especially on Sunday. I thought there was a chance JT could finish second. I thought there was a chance DJ could finish second. They both kind of settled into, I don't know what they ended up finishing, seventh and ninth or something like that. But there was just a lot happening. There was a lot happening. I was having such a good sweat with my uh, Cam Smith Smith matchup with Coach, which I was down by about nine strokes heading into Friday. And suddenly Cam Smith doubles 12 and the deficit for a hole gets cut to two between JT and Cam Smith and the wheels are kind of falling off. But yeah, JT was all over the map, in my opinion. I mean, it, it, it never, he got some run on the coverage, but it never really felt like he had a great chance to win. He had that great Friday round and then he kind of treaded yeah. water um, on Sunday, but as far as our one and done competition goes, ball control offense from here on out for me, I'm feeling good. We're halfway through the season. Yeah. We do have three more majors, but I'm not going to beat myself. I'm not going to beat myself. I win this thing easily. If I don't get in my own way, just like Rory McIlroy, this is like uh, college basketball, hit your free throws, make your free mm-hmm. throws. You win, right? You yeah. make your free throws, uh, run out the clock. You win everything uh okay andy let's turn our attention to rbc heritage we've got a unique course i love your breakdown for this week we're going to talk props we're going to talk matchups we're going to give more one and done selections but first we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from andy's podcast andy lack is not only the co-host of the scramble but also produces his own show the inside golf podcast it's available twice a week focusing on course breakdowns dfs and betting strategies for every pga tour event Admittedly, I was drawn to Andy for his data-driven approach, which you'll find on his Sunday shows as he breaks down the field. But I'm even more impressed by his passion for course architecture, which offers a different perspective of our great game. Mix those together with insightful and humorous guests who don't take themselves too seriously, and you've got a recipe for a great podcast. Follow Inside Golf Pod on Twitter and download Inside Golf wherever you download podcasts. Okay, Andy, let's head to Hilton Head, South Carolina, RBC Heritage, Harbor Town Golf Links. It's a Pete Dye, but it's, uh, in my opinion, one of the more unique courses on the schedule and one that really does lend itself to a lot of different, ty- maybe not different types of guys, but just a lot of guys can win. Yeah, this is a really fun event. I almost wish we had a bye week or or Zurich this week and then Harbor Town the next week. So we would be able to give this course and this event a little bit more of the center stage. It's a great field, by the way. This is probably the best field that they've had since 
the 2020 version, which was right after the COVID layoff when everyone played. But yeah, I think what's interesting about Harvard Sound, Rick, it's a great golf course. It's all about angles, right? This is not the type of course that we talk about sometimes where a guy like Dustin Johnson or Rory McIlroy or Bryson starts on second base, right? This is yeah. one of those courses where your Webb Simpsons and your Kevin Kisners and your Matt Kuchers are probably licking their chops. And I think that lends to a very fun week for DraftKings and betting because you know, we can get a hundred to one winners here all the time, because this is one of those courses where a lot of the players that maybe don't have the firepower off the tee legitimately have the ability to compete here and win. Yeah, we can. And we have right. Stuart sink, uh, CT pan, Satoshi Kadira, all at least Wes in the Wesley Bryan. Yeah. Wesley Bryan. Um, who's actually back in the field, uh, this week as well. Um, it kind of asks for precision, doesn't it? I, I mean, there are there are actually situations where you're, when you're in the fairway, you could kind of be blocked off by some of these trees. And I know that pros do this on every hole, but it's going to be so critical to work backwards, right? Where's the pin location? Okay, what side of the hole do I need to be on? Okay, let's like they're going to have to work backwards this week. Matt Kuchar called it chess. Um, <laughs> it's strategic golf. It is. You're right. There's going to be holes where you're on the right side of the fairway and you'd be better off on the left in the left rough. There's going to be holes where you're going to be in the fairway and you're going to look up and there's going to be a tree limb that's overhanging and you have to still hit like a low draw to access that pin. It's really, really fun. And that's why I think there's certain players that they like this style of golf. Right. And I think the good thing about Harbor town is there are a couple courses. I think Carbertown's is probably the most exaggerated version of this, but there are a couple other courses on the PGA Tour that ask similar things, whether it be Wiley, whether it be Sedgefield, whether it be Sea Island, right? TPC Sawgrass to a certain extent, Austin Country Club, which we just saw to a certain extent, where we can kind of look at those courses and notice the commonalities and the crossover boards on, on the leaderboards and, and try and help figure out um, who might be the guys that that really thrive in this style of golf? You have uh, obviously your in-depth course breakdown, uh, which is awesome on on RickRungood.com right now. And one of the things that I, I kind of took away from it was um, the around the green game, right? And you know these are really small greens. You're going to have guys who who miss them, right? They're the second smallest greens on the PGA Tour. But I believe your argument is that the areas and situations that you could get yourself into around the greens are not as difficult as what as tour average, or just as what we've seen kind of recently from Augusta national. There are some of the easiest that you'll see on the PGA tour all year. It it ranks, I think towards the very bottom of the field and up and down percentage from the fairway, from the rough, from the bunkers. And the main reason for that, Rick, is that it's a very flat golf course, right? And we saw this a little bit with Innisbrook that had a little bit more elevation changes. I talked about this with, Innisbrook as well, where, yeah, there's a low greens and regulation percentage. So you're going to have to rely on your short game, but the actual degree of difficulty isn't that tough. And players talk about this all the time. It's like, this course is flat, right? So the chip shots around the green, you're not going to have to chip to undulating greens. You're not going to have to chip uphill, chip downhill. Um, You can kind of run balls onto these greens, which I think makes it a little bit easier um, in terms of the, the chip shots that you're going to have to hit. And we don't always talk about um, kind of how we're filling out our betting card. And I'm not for, not sure how far you've gotten this week, but uh, I, I took a lot of guys like 
60 to one and longer. I know it's a bit top heavy. I know we've got a decent field at the top, but I can't remember loading up on as many triple digit guys um, since the American Express. Now that one came through Hudson Swafford cashed that. Like, how do you think this week is going to be different when it comes to actually the, com- the composition of your betting card? Me too, by the way. I think I've got three or four guys above 130 to one. It's tough because the field, you could make the argument that the field is top heavy, right? Like there are five of the top 10 players in the world that are here. A lot of them are all playing really good golf. Like DJ's trending in the right direction. JT's trending in the right direction. Morikawa, by the way, looked incredible last week at the Masters. And if I was building a golf course for Morikawa, I would build this one. Even guys like Shane Lowry and Matt Fitzpatrick and Daniel Berger, like all those guys are in really good form. Even Webb is showing signs of life. So Corey Connors, by the way, six at the Masters, pretty good Corey Connors course, in my opinion, as well. Um, So you have this tough situation where is it going to be maybe a little bit of a letdown spot? for some of these guys, but at the same time, it's like, yeah, I understand the Augusta was a tough walk thing, but like there were really only like three or four guys in contention all week, right? Like Corey Connors finished six, Morikawa finished fifth, but I, I don't, I don't know if I see this being a letdown spot for them. Maybe a guy like Justin Thomas who had more, it seemed like an emotional week with the presence of Tiger and stuff like that. But I think you got to kind of feel encouraged about a lot of the guys at the top of the board. So I'm like you, I've got a couple bombs, but I definitely think that I'm going to have to choose one guy below 30 that I kind of center my card around. Uh, Yeah. Because when Colin Morikawa wins this and wipes everything, we're going to be like, Oh yeah, obviously like that was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Of course, Colin Morikawa was going to win this event because you're right. It's like, you know, and Morikawa is not short off the tee, but he's certainly not long, but he's deadly accurate. Then you get into the wedge situation. Oh my God. I, I just, he might run away with this thing. I don't want to step on my one and done. All right. All right. We'll talk about it. Um, all right. Here's what we are about to do. We are about to release the props. That's right. So we have four selections over at Price Picks that when you put them all together and play a power play, you can get 11 times return on your money you can flex it you can do whatever you want you can play the opposite i don't care it's up to you uh make sure you use the code rick there's a link in the description get ready and what we're going to do andy is we're going to release i have a slide or i mean a built a slide that we're going to release so that people can have all four at the same time run and grab them because the uh, the lines are going to change and then we get to talk through them i think that's probably the best way to do it Yeah, let's do it. No, I'm super excited for this one. I think I dropped the ball last week on our Friday show. So apologies for that. So I'm hungry. I'm well rested and I'm super excited to dive into them. All right. Well, they're going to have to wait 30 more seconds because we're going to do it on the other side. All of the tools and data that you see me use on this channel is from my site, rickrungood.com. RickRunGood.com is one of the largest golf databases on the planet, and it's geared towards making your DFS and betting research process as efficient as possible. There are literally millions of data points in the database, and while that might sound intimidating, the tools that I've built allow you to cut through the data quickly, choose what's important to use, and even build lineups that are ready for import directly into DraftKings. Outside of that, membership gets you access to the Slack channel, currently 2,000 run-gooders who are ready to share insights and have a little fun. I love it and you will too. Sign up at rickrungood.com. 
Okay, Andy, it is time to prop it like it's hot. Presented by Prize Picks. Four props, power play them 11 times return. Uh, okay, this is the big reveal. Armina is going to show the slide in three, two, one. There it is. Those are the props. Have at it. Andy, your first prop for this week, round one, is who? Jordan Spieth under 11.5 greens in regulation. Uh, which, by the way, you look at the historical greens in regulation percentage, and it's right around like 11.3-ish, right? So I still feel like I'm getting a little bit of a small value. The Irons looked really bad at his happy place, Rick. He lost 3.6 on approach at Augusta, and I ran into the pro at uh, at my golf club over the weekend, and I, I was like, hey, man, I got to go on all these shows, and I feel like all of us just say that Jordan Spieth looks broken, and I don't claim to be <laughs> like a, a swing doctor or, or super understand the technicalities of it. Like, is there anything that you're seeing um, because I, I, I want to be honest here about him and not just say stuff that I don't really understand. And he was like, yeah, it's, it's worse than it looks. It's, oh, it's, it's worse than it looks. So he's a stay away for me for now, especially with the irons. Um, I just think that even a good iron player at Harbor town, 11 and a half greens is a pretty decent round. So I'm going to, I think that's going to fly under this week with Jordan Spieth. The other thing that I like, um, especially if you're looking for like under greens, uh, and we've talked about this, there, there are, there's small greens, there's kind of trouble and trees and situations that you can get into where they're harder to hit. Like it's, it's a two shot thing. Like if you hit a bad drive, you're not hitting the green either. And we've talked about this with Jordan Spieth at other tree lines courses. Like there are a few ways that he could ruin his green, his, his greens and regulation prop. Yeah. 100%. And that's the thing about Harbortown that you're going to get yourself in trouble too. Is like Jordan Spieth has, has struggled off the tee as well. So maybe there are a couple holes that you're getting a free no green in regulation right. because he doesn't even have a chance. Right. Two, yeah. And two free of those, you're basically just like free rolling at this point. Yeah. Exactly. Unless he goes nuts. Okay. Um, I also have a green in regulation one. Uh, Brian Harmon over 11. So, uh, Again, we talk about really good courses that we could design for golfers. This is probably uh, closer to something I designed for for Brian Harmon, who, who's able to lean into his accuracy off the tee. He's able to just kind of hit a bunch of uh, wedges and solid approaches. So he has gone 11 or more greens in regulation in 22 out of 23 rounds. And I know what people are saying, but Rick, these greens are small. I get it. Uh, four out of seven over 11 at Harbor Town, And... I got three stats here, Andy, for his off the tee game. Because again, I think a lot of the greens and regulation stuff is also off the tee stuff this week. Harmon is 20th in driving accuracy, first in good drive percentage, which is a stat I like this week, and seventh from distance uh, from edge of fairway, which basically says if you miss the fairway, how much did you miss it by? Because keeping the ball in play uh, is going to be crucial. Brian Harmon does all of those things. He hits a lot of greens. I'll take over 11. I love it. I absolutely love it. And that's the thing about, I will admit this, they did this with the greens and regulation and they did this with the fairways this week. They're right around. I, I felt like the lines were a little bit sharper. Like I didn't feel like there was a giant edge in terms of where they put the greens and regulation and the fairways. So I actually almost went like one under on the greens and regulation, one over, same with the fairways, one over and one under. So I'm glad that we got both sides covered with this one. 
Uh, Garrett says, y'all need to start doing prize props earlier. The line's already moved before y'all release them. I don't know how doing them earlier solves that. Well, here's the thing. We're going to do this show at this time because this is a really good time for the show. It makes sense uh, with not just our schedules, but it seems like a very good time for people to be able to watch. So second of all, we're not going to tweet them out beforehand because we also want people to watch watch the show, show, which is the whole point of it. Um, But yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. They move pretty quickly, but I think most of the time we'll talk about too, Rick, like, Hey, I like this one down to whatever. So even if it moves by half a stroke, I'll say that, you know, we'll say whether we like it as well. The, the other thing is, um, I mean, these were the props, like these were the lines like five minutes before we went on air. So if we would have done it earlier, that's still, you know what I mean? Like doing the, doing it earlier doesn't change anything. It's just when they get released, they move very, very quickly. Yeah. Whether we do this at 6am or 9am or 12pm. Yeah. And we're hashtag market movers. So you gotta be quick. Yeah, that's right. Uh, okay. Tommy Fleetwood over eight and a half fairways for you, Andy. And I think you and I are both kind of seeing similar things, bits of optimism, certainly for Tommy Fleetwood. Okay. So I tracked Tommy Fleetwood closely last week. Sorry for the dog barking in the background. By Dogs the are always acceptable to be on the show. <laughs> Oliver is sleeping somewhere. I'm sh- shocked. He does not bark more frequently. Uh, but if, if, if Amazon comes, you will heal here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I tr- I I tracked top Tommy Fleetwood very closely last week because top 20 on Tommy Fleetwood was one of the only things that I got right last week. Tommy Fleetwood is is striping it right now. Um and it's we've kind of seen it for a couple of weeks. He's he's popped his head out really well in the Florida swing with a couple of top 25s, but he actually had his best measured off the tee week since like peak Tommy Fleetwood, which was in 2019 when he was contending in major championships and finishing second to Shane Lowry at Royal Portrush. So I think something is starting to click with Tommy Fleetwood from a ball striking perspective. I think it's a good course for him. I bet Tommy Fleetwood this week at 55 to one. I'm looking to play him in DraftKings and I think what will be respectable ownership. And I think getting uh, getting in on him to your exposure with this fairway prop is a good way to take advantage and kind of isolate exactly what Tommy is starting to do well this week, which is keeping the ball in play off the tape. So I absolutely love this one. Yeah. I, um, you know, his stat profile, if you kind of just look at, at what he's doing well, again, it, it looks a lot like early 2020 before the shutdown, which is basically the last time he played well like for significant parts of, uh, for significant stretches. We've seen him pop here and there, but I have to agree that's that profile does. It looks like better versions of Tommy. And I also think that players still hit about like eight point, you know, 8.9 ish fairways on average at Harbor town. You know, I know that it has very narrow fairways, but the fairway percentage here isn't actually that low because a lot of players are clubbing down off the tee. So I still feel like I'm a, I'm getting a little bit of value on the number there. And then finally, Corey Connors under 69 for me, Andy, this is a 71, but uh, we've seen last year scoring average and a little bit, obviously wind dependent when you're on the coast, but closer to like 70. So you're asking him to gain a stroke on the field, something he's done five times in the last two years at Harbortown. And he's gained at least a stroke on the field in 10 out of 13 
rounds coming in. You mentioned it earlier, Corey Connors uh, playing well, going to a place that should probably accentuate his best features. I'm just asking him to go out and probably gain a stroke on the field in round one. Yeah, I was I, I was really bummed that I used Connors for one and done. We talked about that one guy that you want to center your card around in that 30 to one range. Connors was the one out. Connors and Berger were some of the guys I was looking at most closely. I think Connors is going to have a great week. He looked great at the Masters last week. And I think he's, you know, it's interesting to me because he was super chalk, super obvious at the Masters last week. But I think his numbers kind of low enough that, you know, he's not, you know, not a lot of people are going to be betting him as much this week just because there's so many great options. So I love Connors. I think he's going to have a great week. I think he might win. He's really trending in that direction. You want to talk about someone who's due. For sure. So Connors under 69, Harmon over 11 greens in regulation. Tommy Fleetwood over eight and a half fairways. Jordan Spieth under 11 and a half greens. You put that all together, it'll return you 11 times on your dollars. Andy, uh, this week is uh, obviously you can get some like wind and get some conditions. So when, when we have weeks like this, being aware of the changes, especially when, when you have prize picks, but it's just round by round, right? Like what we talk about scoring conditions on Thursday might be completely different on Saturday. So you really kind of have to be in tune with the way that this thing is, is trending and try to be like an amateur meteorologist. hundred percent. And I'll talk about this a little bit more in, in the Wednesday DFS article that I write tomorrow morning. Um, we've had, you know, weather be a factor some weeks more than others a lot. And, you know, the biggest defense that Harbor Town has probably is when the wind gets going right yeah. outside of outside of the narrowness of the fairways and the small greens. We've had years before here, Rick, in the past where uh, the winning score has been like nine under. We've also had years where the winning score has been 20 under. Right. So that's a pretty large dispersion. I don't play the game of looking at the weather really before like Tuesday afternoon. Yeah. Right. So I, I'm going to talk about it a lot more in my article, but yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think makes the Friday prize picks so fun usually because we have some data on the course and we can really see how it's playing. Yeah. I'd actually want to probably want to go back and see what our record is on Tuesday shows versus Friday shows because we do this. Yeah. Two days in advance, a lot of stuff can change, but Friday we're more in the moment. We've seen how the course is played. We usually have guys out on the golf course. I'd like to go back and look at that, but the, the code you're looking for Rick uh, is the code 100% instant deposit match up to $100. The link is in the description. Make sure you deposit it. I'll keep an eye on the wind and the weather because I saw they have um hole number five. I think it is for single hole props. And I'm, I'm a freaking sucker for single hole props, dude. Uh, par five, right? Easy yeah. par five. I love when they give us the easy par fives. Those yeah. are so fun. Yeah. Such a sucker. Such a sucker. Um, okay. We have to do head to head matchups and we have to do one and done selections. Then we can get out of here. That's it. That's all we've got. And we've got some time to do it. Uh, but we're going to do it after a quick word. If you're not playing daily fantasy on prize picks, then you're not really playing daily fantasy. They offer nothing but props and they do it better than anyone else. You pick two to five players on an over under and can win up to 10 times on any entry. They allow mixed sport entries, meaning you can take the over on LeBron James and the under on John Rahm. The golf specific props are amazing. Birdies or better, fairways hit, greens in regulation, round score, and now, yes, single hole props. That's right. What score will a golfer make on a specific hole? 
I have prize pick specific tools on my website to help you build the best entries. And now prize picks is offering a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just use the code Rick at sign up or click the link in the description. That's code Rick. Good luck. And the head to head matchups. Uh, last week we weren't so great. Uh, I was one in four. 20, 24, and four for the season. You were two and three, 29, 15, and four. I think the ones that we were together on, I think we lost all of those, and then we split the other ones. We got kind of uh, smacked around a bit. Yeah, regression felt a little imminent for me, at least. I mean, I'm still, if you can bat like over 58% on matchups over a large sample size, uh, which I'm almost, I think I'm at like 64% right now throughout half the season, something like that. So we're feeling good. We're still feeling good. Heat check. Heat check always happens every once in a while. Uh, I was trying to get your win percentage, but I fat figured, I fat fingered the calculator like five times. Yeah. Your, your straight win percentage is like 61, but then you've got the pushes in there, which I didn't count. So, um, all right, this week. Ooh. Okay. We're working our way into the big boys. So let's start with two guys that could not be any more different. Ian Poulter versus Cam Young. Wow. Uh, Big difference there. You and I both on the same side here, Andy. What side is it? Poulter. And I'm not going to argue that Cameron Young is a better golfer right now than Ian Poulter. But one thing that we didn't even talk about at all is in terms of course history here, this is one of the most predictive courses in terms of course history. There's a lot of nuance involved in this course. There's a lot of strategy here. And Ian Poulter is a guy who's played here a bunch. He's played really well here. And I think Cameron Young's biggest advantage, his driver and his ability to drive the ball long and straight gets mitigated a little bit here. If this was Torrey Pines, give me Cameron Young all day. But I think at a place like Harbortown, the place gets leveled. So I'd rather take the guy who has a little bit more experience on this golf course. Yeah, experience, and again, I'm just trying to keep the ball in play, and Cam Young is great at a lot of things, uh, driving it in the fairway, not necessarily one of them. So maybe there's a chance he overpowers this thing. Uh, Maybe not. I'll go with Ian Poulter. Siwoo Kim versus Chris Kirk. This is kind of interesting, Andy. Chris Kirk's played really well coming in. He's played a lot here. I think his best result was just last year. Siwoo's got the the Pete Dye specialist, kind of the high upside stuff going on. I went with Siwoo. Uh, He lost strokes off the tee at the Masters for the first time in like six months. I think he finds that part of his game again. I just think he can get hot and throw him on a Pete Dye course. I'll take uh, Siwoo. This was a tough one. Shout out Armina. I went with Chris Kirk. Um, I like this golf course for Chris Kirk. He's won at the RSM. He's won at Colonial, I believe. He's got a couple runner-up finishes at Sony. I think these are the type of golf courses that play into Chris Kirk's hands. Of course, you can make that argument for Siwoo Kim also, who's won the players. He's finished second here before. He's won the Amex, which is another shorter Pete Dye course. Um, but I'm I'm going to go with the well-rested uh, Chris Kirk here to kind of uh, dink and dunk his way around Harbortown. Uh, Joaquin Neiman versus Sung J M. There will be blood on this matchup as well. Andy, what side would you like? I don't even remember what I took. That's such Sung tough. <laughs> okay, I have Sung J. Huh? That's. Did you think you had Neiman? A, kind of. This is a tough one. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Sung J though. Okay. So both of these guys played the Masters last week. Both of them looked pretty good. 
Sungjae definitely better than Neiman. Um, both of them fit this golf course pretty well, in my opinion. Um, I think it's a toss-up. I think Sungjae's in slightly better form. I'm going to go with Sungjae. This is the hardest one for me. I yeah, me I went with went with Joaquin Neiman, obviously, but um, I could be convinced on either side of this. I remember, I think it was 2020, where Neiman just went nuts, I think on the weekend and on Sunday, and he posted early. And then everybody ran him down after that. But I think I think the way that he plays it, the ability to hit a lot of different shots, uh, being longer than I think people want to give him credit for, even if it's not coming into play with the driver. Andy, I mean, if everybody's playing from 175 yards, Neiman, I think, is hitting a shorter club uh, than some of these other guys. I, I went with Neiman, but with, with very little confidence. Yeah, I think you can go either way with them. I would imagine Sungjae's like a... Is it a minus one? To, is Sungjae a slight underdog? I would imagine, which would be kind of my biggest reason for taking Sungjae is that you get him at plus money. Well, let's find out. So here we go. Matchups. Uh, Sungjae is yeah. So Neiman is minus one twenty. Sungjae's even money. Okay, fair enough. I think it's a fair line, right? Very fair. Uh, Cam Smith, Patrick Cantlay. We both picked the same guy, and I'm surprised that we both picked Cantlay. Cam Smith, for at least the recent form, has been objectively way better. Cantlay's got three top sevens and four trips. We both went with kind of history over what we've seen recently. Patrick Cantlay, did you know that Patrick Cantlay gained like seven strokes ball striking at the Masters and lost like six putting? Um, Patrick yeah. Cantlay was pretty... I came on here on Friday and I said, Patrick Cantlay is going to win the masters. And he was two strokes off the lead. When I said that with the par five 15th coming up, he bogeyed three of his final five holes and then shot a 77 on, on Saturday. And that was the end of Patrick Cantlay. But Patrick Cantlay was another guy that I tracked very closely, just like Fleetwood where he hit the ball phenomenally. Um, and he just lost a bunch of strokes playing. So I think you're, I think you're getting some value on, on Cantley, I think he's going to be very low owned again in DraftKings. He's going to be he's going to be a staple for me in DraftKings because I think the form is is a little better than than people think. You know, we do this so often. Uh, Patrick Cantley's been horrible. He's been terrible. He's got four top tens in his or yeah, four top tens in his last eight starts. Right, like yeah. it's it's just like the last four have been okay to like a little bit worse than that. And it's, and it's like the end of the world for the guy who was the player of the year last year. Well, it just speaks to how quickly you, how quickly you get forgotten in the revolving door thing that we were talking about. We were talking about Patrick Cantley is potentially the best player in the world a couple months ago, four months ago. Right. And now he's going to be under like 12% owned in back-to-back -back weeks. Bizarre, bizarre stuff. We won't get fooled. We're on Patrick Cantlay over Cam Smith. And then finally, uh, you don't often see these two matched up against one another. Shane Lowry versus Dustin Johnson. I went with Lowry. You alluded to this a little bit earlier. He's been awesome. And he's doing it in a way that is super sustainable. He's doing it with the ball striking. I, I, I'm I'm so impressed that I just could not, I could not avoid picking uh, the Irishman this time around. He's a tough man to fade right now. I'm going to rock with my guy, DJ, though, who's been quietly good here. And I also think is going to fly a little bit under the radar this week in, in terms of ownership. But I, I like the way that DJ's trending. And I don't know. I, 
is Shane, Shane Lowry's playing a lot of golf. I just feel like maybe a, a this might be a little bit of a, a letdown spot for him. Um, and DJ always plays well at this course. I know you could talk about the motivation factor with DJ. He's here because he's an RBC guy. I think that stuff gets overblown a little bit in terms of these guys' will uh, to win and to compete. So toss-up, it's tough. Lowry's playing great golf, but I'm I'm a ride with DJ. And then finally, our one-and-done selections. Andy, uh, we we won't reveal our picks just yet, but who who was on the short list for this week? Because I'll tell you, I had Corey Connors in the outline, and I changed it, and I'm nervous about that. But, like, Connors was certainly on the short list. Who Who would have made kind of the final few picks for you? For me, it was between Connors, who I realized I had already used, uh, Sungjae, and the guy that I ended up going with, which was called Morikawa. And I just said to myself, ball control offense. Like I can afford to burn Colin Morikawa. I've got some some guys left in the holster. And there's no reason to get cute here. Not that Sungjae is getting cute. In fact, if you're playing larger contests, Rick, I would say maybe go with a guy like Sungjae or a guy like Neiman that may get a little bit lower ownership, especially if you're playing from behind. But I just think this is such a perfect golf course for Colin Morikawa. And, you know, I, I would like him at Brookline. I already have my guy for the, the British Open, and I already have my guy for the PGA. So I think what better time to use Colin than maybe here Colonial on like a short positional golf course with small greens. Yeah, I uh, certainly love Morikawa this week for all the reasons that we've been talking about for the entirety of the show. I went with Patrick Cantlay. As I mentioned, I had Corey Connors in there. Originally, I switched it. I just, I, I thought about actually something you had said uh, a few minutes ago. You know, the course history around here is pretty darn sticky. And I think it's kind of overblown about the struggles that Cantlay has gone through. I like the ball striking. I like the history. Um, was not really in the heat of the battle, right, at the Masters, unfortunately. I, I went with Cantlay. I'm not super excited about it, but I've got to start earning some money here. I can't argue with it. I mean, what... You kind of have to, right? You kind of have to when you're when you're playing from behind. And if I'm going to yeah. take someone like Colin, uh, you got to roll out a big gun as well. So and, I like it. The other thing that I that I legit thought was, um, like, I need wins. Like, I need wins, even if it's only one point two million dollars or something like that. I need wins, and I would, if I needed top twenties, I would have taken Corey Connors, who seems like a lock to finish inside the top twenty, especially here. I'm willing to kind of leave a little bit of the floor for the Cantlay ceiling. Cause if Cantlay plays well this week, he, his, his win equity is much higher than Corey Connors is. 100%. And that's, and I was just thinking, I just kept ringing in the back of my head. I need wins. I need wins. I need wins. And there's also a chance that you get like a minus seven more putting week. And I missed the cut, which is always in play. I mean, I think Morikawa is pretty safe this week, but I mean, he is, that happens with Morikawa from time to time as well. Yeah, it does. Uh, all right. Well, that's exciting. I, I like that. You know, there's two man one and done. We basically always just get to play big boppers. Like it's just it's the fun. best guys on the top of the board. Uh, Andy, any final thoughts before we head out for this week's RBC heritage? Don't think so. Check out my article tomorrow on rickrungood.com. Uh, mm -hmm. Final DFS thoughts. The course breakdowns already live. Uh, promo code Andy, you can sign up, get all the tools and stats that we talk about here. And no, I think that's about it, man. Pumped to talk about it on Friday. 
ADP lacks sports on Twitter is where you can find Andy. We will indeed be back same time, same place. That's 12 PM Eastern time on uh, Friday on the Rick run good YouTube channel. Big thanks to producer Armina. She does all the hard work behind the scenes. This has been your Tuesday scramble. We'll catch you next time.